the Free for All Roundtable. Brought to you by Lexus Avon, Canada's newest Lexus dealer, near Canada's Wonderland in the Maple Auto Mall. Luxury is closer than you think. Round one. No, there's just nothing to talk about today, is there? All right, on round one, we have Vas Bednar, Executive Director in the Master in Public Policy degree in Digital Society at McMaster University, Toronto lawyer Courtney Betty of Betty's Law, and Jerry Agar is here from the Jerry Agar Show. Um, Jerry, I'll let you weigh in first then on um, the Premier's reversal yesterday. And I mean, it was uncategorical. He came out, said it was wrong. It was a mistake. I'm sorry. We're moving on. Yeah, it's real unfortunate. I think there's problems on both sides of this thing. First of all, the integrity commissioner found that Ford himself didn't do anything wrong, but he was ill-served by some bungling ministers. And unfortunately, uh, the buck stops at the desk of the premier. So uh, he had to make some decisions. I think he made the wrong decision because the other side has based a furious attack uh, largely built on lies about what the green belt is all about. A whole bunch of that land had already been serviced for development before it was arbitrarily thrown in to what people think now is some sort of sacrosanct piece of uh, a huge chunk of Ontario called the Greenbelt. It's a political creation and nothing more than that. So I guess people in Toronto, especially, who have homes that have increased in value um, hundreds of thousands of dollars over the last decade, have uh, successfully shut down a project that was supposed to build modular homes at $500,000 a piece. So congratulations. Yeah, all right. Uh, Courtney Betty, I'll turn to you next, and I would part way with Jerry on this point. I don't think the Premier reversed himself out of political considerations that all the protesters just had too much momentum. I think it was because it was painfully clear this was not a good public policy option. Well, I'm, I'm always amazed sometimes the characterization um, that's put forward. Number one, the, 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 the Integrity Commission dealt with the issue of the stag, Jerry. The Integrity Commission has not cleared Doug Ford from any wrongdoing in this matter. Secondly, this has been going on for 11 months now. We're talking about a process, Jerry. We're talking about the process that was followed for government-owned land by the citizens of Ontario. It's That's not government-owned land. Uh, but, but, it's not government-owned land, Courtney. It, okay, the zoning, the change that they made, Jerry, resulted in an $8 billion windfall for three for developers three of them were going to get 86 percent of the benefits from that had the process been followed some of those benefits would have gone to the citizens of ontario the premier has already admitted that it's wrong there's no defense here he's done the right thing by stepping forward here's the wild card now there's an rcmp investigation that's going to take place that is ongoing if the RCMP investigation decides that one individual, not the premier, someone even on a low level, has personally benefited from this, there will be a criminal charge. And that criminal charge is going to bring out all of this, and we're going to be reliving a real major scandal in Ontario. Vas Bednar, this is a, you know, a reversal. I haven't seen the likes of this in a very, very long time. And you can make all kinds of political hay out of that, but the Premier's actually doing, taking the policy that I wanted him to take, so I'm very supportive of it. 
You know, it is leadership, right? I think a lot of people felt shocked or most kind of gaslit by how this process has been going. Courtney's right to point out that we're probably it's not going to go away entirely, but also that it wasn't the ultimate outcome. It wasn't just about where we're going to build more for Ontario. It's really about the process and about how this government made a decision or decisions. You know, it can be very exciting to have that majority context. There's a few... Uh, a little bit fewer kind of checks and balances, you can move faster. And I do think people want government to move quickly. Um, this is an instance of where a government moved quickly, but uh, inappropriately a little bit early. And may other governments learn from it. One more go around on this, because my question would be this, and Courtney Betty, I'll start with you. Um, is this like a permanent wound? Is this something people are still going to talk about and be mad about two years from now when we have an election? I think that it, it could be. I mean, we have to bear in mind that we don't really have an opposition party sitting in the provincial government right now. You've got the NDP that's there. They push this issue. You're going to have a new liberal leader that's going to come on board. But at the end of the day, John, the real issue is going to be whether or not the RCMP comes back and says, we, we have found the basis for a criminal charge. If that happens, this issue is going to become... A, a, a firestorm for the conservative government. If it doesn't, then there's a possibility that it can go away by the time we get to the election down the road. Vaz, I'll bring the same question to you. Some people will say this is proof that the premier knows how to lead, that he knows that when he made a mistake. Others will say shouldn't have made the mistake in the first place. I mean, there may be other mistakes sort of in the future, and it's probably not a mistake to do what he did yesterday. And I can't imagine that was an easy decision nor easy messaging, and he did do it well. Will we continue to talk about it? Absolutely. But the framing can and might change, right? There might be appreciation for how this was handled, and there's going to be other issues. People are feeling very squeezed. There's a lot of frustration and anger. Who knows what the next election is going to look like? And Jerry Agar, lastly to you, uh, the opposition, of course, is crowing. They were yesterday. They are today. I imagine they'll crow again in the House on Monday because there's political blood in the water. But eventually we have to move on. Well, I'm not going to make any prediction as to what this would do in terms of an election. That's uh, a ways away, and as you know, things always change. This could be something that people aren't thinking about at all, but my impression is that people are much more interested in getting housing built and doing something about the immense scarcity that we have. Our issue on pricing of houses is supply and demand, and if uh, people haven't cracked an economics book, then I'm sorry, but we, we need more supply, and otherwise, it's just going to be the people who have houses are going to gain, like developers uh, and uh, and uh, they'll be happy and then the rest of the time we'll just do what Toronto's best at which is come up with a plan shut the plan down come up with another plan shut the plan down and we get nowhere speaking but Jerry, of, everyone, yeah, everyone's ahead. agreeing that we need houses Jerry no one's agreeing that we need houses yeah, but, but there's a process them. that there's a process that has to be followed this is it we're not agreeing whether or not the the, um, the areas of the green belt that should be developed, that's a separate issue from the process that was followed here. It was wrong. The premier has said it was wrong. Well, where do you want to put them, Courtney? 
Well, the well, auditor general said we have the I want the process to be followed, line. Jerry. There has to be a process that we come, that we all follow. Yeah, that's that's all. what we do. I'm we not just do process. We never do anything. We just talk about it. Okay, let's move on to a few other thorny issues. Um, it would seem that intelligence officials in Canada and the U.S. are confirming the federal government's version of our spat with India, but it's also deteriorating. Uh, Vas Bednar, when you have 1.4 million Indo-Canadians who would like to go to India for weddings and funerals and festival season, and uh, now their visa process has been suspended, they're going to be uh, ticked off about that. Absolutely, they're going to be ticked off, but that doesn't, you know, shouldn't make us shy away from the gravity of this situation and the sort of, again, back to people feeling surprised and these massive announcements from from governments. This this has significant implications, and I'm genuinely sorry for people who won't get to travel and see their families and enjoy tourism. That's a really important thing for uh, relationships and for the economy right now. Um, but we're also seeing the kind of tensions escalating, and this is a sort of form of retaliation, unfortunately. Yeah, Jerry Agar, it's a bit like being bitten by a wounded dog. I mean, apparently the intelligence is there that India did do this, and now what is India doing but continuing to punish Canada? Yeah, uh, and Canadians who have relatives, etc. That's an unfortunate uh, fallout of this situation. I've been writing to friends of mine who travel to India uh, this morning and trying to find out what their take is on this before I do the show later. I haven't heard back from some of them yet. Okay. Courtney Betty, your thoughts? My, my thought is we, there's a lot of intelligence apparently that's been gathered on this. And the question is, how high up does this go in the Indian government? And if you establish that there's someone high up in the in the in the in the, in the government of India that has somehow conspired in this, then are we going to be brave enough to lay charges that would include those individuals? So a lot of the information we don't know as of yet, but that that level of intelligence is sitting there somewhere. Uh, any of you going to troop out to say goodbye to the Scarborough SRT? Just. Vass, it seems a little excessive to throw a day-long party for this much-lamented and uh, now derailed transit option. I think it's kind of fun that there's going to be a party for it. I think back to what do people want more of, you know, housing, transit options, and then we're seeing an underinvestment in a, an important service that now people won't have. So, you know, should it be celebratory or how much is it about mourning? It's it's a moment. It's an important civic moment. And uh, I'm kind of sad I'm going to miss it. All right. Jerry, maybe I'm just not emotionally involved because I almost never wrote it. Yeah, um, I'm. I'm going to miss it, and I'm. I'm not sad. I mean, I, I'm not 100% sure why I should be. Okay, Courtney, Betty. I guess people are nostalgic. It's kind of like Expo '67 and the the wreck that was left behind in its wake that people would go and visit. And so maybe that's it. This is all about sort of the '80s in Toronto and the hope for the future. Well, that could be all part of it, John, but for uh, I'm sitting in the same position that you are. I don't have that emotional connection, so I can't really, really feel the, the joy that others are going to feel on Sunday. Okay, perhaps I'm being uncharitable. I know we sent out the video this morning because there doesn't seem to be, to be a print version of it, but I'll very quickly describe Pat Foran's report from last night's news. And it's about an Ontario woman who was contacted and somebody had her SIN number and they said, your SIN number's been compromised. In order to get it back, you have to start sending us money and it has to be in Bitcoin. 
And so she sent them $50,000. Jerry Agar, like I said, maybe I'm being uncharitable, but when some random person calls you on the phone and says, send me Bitcoin, maybe the alarm bells should be going off. Well, if they contacted me, they're out of luck because I don't have any Bitcoin. Uh, and, so, and I wouldn't be rushing out to get $50,000 with a Bitcoin because somebody says I owe it to them. I mean, if they said, what, your, your SIN number is compromised? I'd say thanks for the tip. And I would hang up and contact the uh, CRA and ask what's going on here. Yeah, and Courtney Betty, this is the, perhaps one in a series of reports because Pat Foran also did a report about a woman who I think spent $345,000 on what she thought was the process of getting a job and I thought unless it paid you know a million dollars a year I don't know what you were thinking there either well John senior citizens are very vulnerable and you get a call and you hear oh this is the police your mentality could change very quickly and that's that's the only part of it that I can see in this story is that's why there's a whole business of scammers taking advantage of seniors Mm. Yeah, Vaz Bednar, certainly. And, I, you know, I talk about scams a lot because uh, my parents got scammed. And I, I worry about, you know, sort of devaluing the notion of trust. But at the same time, eventually people have to take some degree of responsibility. Some degree. I mean, I'm obsessed with scams, too. And it's weird because Jerry and Courtney both owe me a ton of Bitcoin. But what we're seeing, <laughs> we're sort, mail. Of, sort of close. <laughs> registered mail, I hope. Um <laughs> You know, what we're seeing is we're, we're focused on the kind of money aspect, but the challenge, I think the core challenge is that we don't have like a digital do not call list, right, with cell phones. And that's a major difference from landlines. And that has empowered scammers in new ways. Right. And it's, I think, important to note that this was a phone call, not an email. And I think phone calls just end up feeling a little bit more serious for people. we got to pay attention to that. Thanks a lot. All of you, Vaz Bednar, Courtney Betty and Jerry Agar. Catch the Roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.